Hello, and thanks for checking out this week's Dynasty Blueprint podcast. This week, Matt and I were joined by Dan Sanio once again to look at the Week 9 events, including DK Metcalf's breakout game, Gardner Minshew being benched, and Cam Newton heading to the injured reserve list. We end the show with a unique draft focused on the running back position and what to expect a year from now in 2020. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're headed into week 10. I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of hit me too when you said that. Like, man, every week is kind of Groundhog Day. You know, every, you know, we're going to be at every stage of the week and they just go by so fast. So week 10 already. How about that? Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little sad. The NFL season is more than half over. The fantasy season is uh, way more than half over. And teams are making that playoff push. We've got our guy Dan Sanio back with us today. Dan, of course, is the uh, one of the hosts of the Dynasty Tradecast, and he tries to join us each week here on the Dynasty Blueprint. We're we're all on a little bit of a hot streak now. This is three in a row after uh, some some hits and misses early in the season. So we are glad to have Dan back. He's feeling a little under the weather, so he's toughing it out for us and for you all, Dan. Other than being sick, how's how's it going? <laughs> I'm pushing through, man. I'm I'm here for the people. I'm here for you guys. I love being here. Um, aside from that, yeah, I'm doing good. It was a it was an interesting week in fantasy, and and like you said, we're we're now past the halfway point in the NFL season, and we're almost to those fantasy playoffs. As always, like I said, we're going to look back on the the week that was, which you do in uh, in your weekly Twitter thread that you release, and and I always love that. As I say each week, uh, just a, a great reflection on what happened uh, from a dynasty perspective, and there are there are so few of those. We we get into that redraft mentality, so I love that you keep it dynasty focused, as we always try to do here. We're going to jump right in. Travis Kelsey is the first guy I wanted to ask you about. We we talked tight ends on this show last week, and we were all very certain that he was no longer our tight end one in our dynasty rankings. He's also not the tight end one this season when it comes to scoring. Uh, he's been fine. He's been fine, but he, he certainly has not been elite as we've seen in the past. Maybe that has to do with with Patrick Mahomes being out or, you know, there, there's a few different reasons that we could point to. You listed him uh, earlier this week as a sell in that uh, in that dynasty thread. What you're thinking there, and if you're a contender, are you still selling him? Well, I think just to to go with that that last point there. If I'm a contender, I think I'm hanging on to him. This is more of a maybe your your season's gone by the wayside, and you don't really have much else to do. I think capitalizing on some tight end value while you can, and getting yourself into a nice wide receiver, a nice running back. Uh, one of the more premium positions, if you will. Uh, I, I think now is a good time to do it while Kelsey does still have that top one, two, or three tight end 
uh, value because I think most people probably still view him as the tight end one just because of the Mahomes connection, the Andy Reid offense, and you know the historical data, what we've seen him do the last couple of years in that offense, and and just knowing what he's what he's capable of. So, I, I for me though, uh, he's getting to that point now where we've got a few young guys in there, and yes, obviously we're wanting our tight ends to produce, and some of the younger guys aren't doing it at that elite level quite yet. But when you talk about your your George Kittles and your Evan Ingrams, um, those types of guys to me are are going to be more valuable uh, for the long term. They may not score as many points as Travis Kelsey does in the next two or three years. But again, this is dynasty. We need to we need to be thinking a little bit more long term. And if I can gain roster value by shifting away a little bit of production in the short term. I think I'm okay doing that. Now, if I'm moving Kelsey, I'm probably not looking at getting another tight end unless it's a throw-in type tight end, maybe a low-end or mid-tight end too. Instead, I'm looking more towards that that low-end RB1 or maybe even high-end RB2 spot and, and getting yourself into a nice, you know, somewhat young wide receiver. I can't imagine many people would turn down a, a Galladay or a DJ Moore straight up for Travis Kelsey if they're in that, that contending zone. So I, I think... I think now just seems like a good time, even with Mahomes potentially coming back um, in the next week or two. It just seems like maybe that age cliff with, with the way tight ends throw with our bodies around and the way that Travis Kelsey plays, it might be time. Well said. It's a lot to think about there. I mean, one thing, not that I dispute what you said, but I think history does show us that tight ends fade away slow. I mean, we saw Jason Witten out there last night still being functional and, you know, you see the, the Gateses of the world and Gonzalez's and maybe that trend's going to start to go away like it did with Gronk because these guys have plenty of money and their bodies get so beat up that they do start to decline quicker in today's NFL than 10 years ago. But uh, I do think it's a position where you can sustain life for a long time. But I bet there's someone in every league going, boy, I bought Kelsey low while Mahomes was out, and he's going to explode like he did in 2018. I would think you'd have a, a, would not have a difficult time moving him right now. Yeah, I think you're both right, actually, because uh, I do certainly agree with you, Matt, that uh, tight ends do seem to hang around for quite a while. I don't think any of us expect uh, expect Kelsey to just disappear in the next year or two, but what could disappear is his value. And you talked about Gates and, uh, and Gronk and I mean, Jimmy Graham and Gonzalez, all, all of these guys that have kind of done this over the, over the years, even Jason Witten, who's still, still a tight end one. When you look at PPR scoring this year, all of those guys continue to produce, but what's gone is their value. So I think what, what Dan is maybe considering or talking about is is just that value play of of maximizing it while he still has it. And Dan, I know you said you wouldn't necessarily target a tight end in a trade, and and even if you're a contender, you might not trade Kelsey at all. But I'm wondering if you if you're a contender, if you're locked into a playoff spot, maybe even first or second in your league, and you've got Kelsey, um, can can you tell him? And I'm in this situation here. Would you look to flip Kelsey for a guy like? Hooper or Darren Waller and, and get a little bit back as well? Yeah, I think I think a good move there would be if you can go from, from Kelsey to a Hooper or a Hunter Henry or even Darren Waller and get yourself maybe like a wide receiver 3-4 in that range on top. If you have to add a little to Kelsey, I don't think that would be the end of the world. But I think if you can get a little bit younger 
And honestly, those two guys are probably going to be a lateral move for production. Um, it, that just seems like a, a no-brainer to me. And, and you mentioned the value portion of this. I always viewed as a stock market. So while that stock may be awesome and and hold you know a nice production for a little while, we're in the business of of selling high and buying low, and always trying to have as much roster value as we can. And I think Travis Kelsey's we probably missed his peak as far as selling opportunity went, but he's still in that in that peak and rather than a valley. What if there's a team in your guys' league that is? Sitting at 500, they're really bad at tight end, and they say, I'll give you my first and second next in in the draft for Kelsey straight up. I'm not sure I'm still even doing that. I, I think he's got more value than that when we okay. consider he's probably a, a top 30 asset, even in the low end. Um, a first and a second, unless we're really thinking that that 500 ball club isn't going to make it to the playoffs, and they potentially are going to get worse when adding Travis Kelsey. Um I, and I don't think that that first round pick is going to have enough capital for me to be okay with that. Now, if it was that first and a decent wide receiver, a decent running back, that's a move I'm happy to make. Or maybe if you're moving Kelsey to get one of the injured players, like your carry on Johnson's, like maybe even someone, you know, getting a couple picks and then Darius Geis, stuff like that. I think those are the types of moves that have could have potential big returns on the other side that I'd be more willing to make. Good stuff, Dan. Let's talk about a player on the rise, uh, unlike Travis Kelsey. It's DK Metcalf, the rookie wide receiver from Seattle. Uh, had a huge game, his best game of his short career uh, in Week 9. He was wide receiver 3 for the week. He's he's had a solid year all around and uh, has produced. He's really just been missing that uh, touchdown upside, that touchdown production, and uh, he's been hitting on that the last week or two. So, uh, I would think we would be buying DK Metcalf. How aggressive do we want to be in that? Well, I think we need to be relatively aggressive because most people probably aren't just going to be moving off of him, you know, all willy nilly. You're still going to have the folks that that aren't, um, you know, all high on his on his route tree because he runs a limited route tree, or maybe he can't do the three cone super awesome, or whatever it happens to be. People want to be down on DK because they didn't like him in pre-draft. They were wrong, and now they're going to double down on them being wrong. So I think if we have to go after Metcalf, I think you're probably looking at somewhere in that top 16 to 18 wide receiver range, and that's probably how aggressive you'll have to be as far as pricing goes in order to get a share if you don't already have one. So, and I, like I said, I'm comfortable going there because I've been on Metcalf for quite a while. Oh, good for me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, having Russell Wilson there, the offense that they're in, I think them adding Josh Gordon, as much as it might sound silly, is probably a good thing because that's going to keep Metcalf on the outside. Hopefully they move Gordon to the inside, and that, that means just one more defender they're going to have to draw, and they're going to have single coverage, I think, on all three of those guys with maybe a safety over the top. So it's it's going to be an explosive offense one way or another. Uh, I see Gordon taking those those more of that tight end role, sans blocking, and I think Metcalf's going to continue to thrive. Obviously, he's a rookie. The routes aren't all there yet. He's still young. He's still learning football, and it's it's hard to say a lot of negative stuff about him other than he doesn't have a good route tree because he does everything else pretty damn well. Yeah, the, the Gordon addition doesn't change my take on his value at all. I mean, maybe it does help him. I don't think it hurts him. Who knows how if Gordon would even be with the team next year. I mean, who's to say how long he's going to be around? Um, as for the t- touchdown production, i got to think it's coming because not only does Wilson throw his way deep, but... He's kind of taken over as the the heavy end zone target guy. So 
The best points might be yet to come. I think he's a perfect fit for the system. He'll contribute a little as a blocker. They run so much. But I'm just thinking the deep balls with this guy is a is a great way for him to be an asset now as he develops as a route runner. He probably never will be a super sharp route runner. I don't know what if, if now's the time to buy. Maybe a week ago is the time to buy. But um, he looks like a you know wide receiver too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it, it would be probably buying high right now in that his price is on the way up. But if if you expect it to continue to rise, which I kind of do, then uh, you may want to buy before it's too late. And as far as those touchdowns, yeah, he he had scored. I believe he scored two touchdowns the first uh, seven or eight games, and he has three the past two weeks. So he has been the uh, the leader in end zone targets now for two or three weeks running, and and now that's paying off as he's uh, actually pulling those in and and. Uh, making them count so that's that's of course boosting his production and his dynasty value at the same time let's talk about the jacksonville jaguars uh dan we saw gardner Minshew just uh just fall apart in london uh lost that game for them basically in the fourth quarter with multiple turnovers and then we learn uh this week that when they come back from their bye they will be going back to the veteran Nick Foles. How do we handle this? What are we doing with those two quarterbacks? What about the other guys on that roster, namely Leonard Fournette and DJ Chark? Are we buying? Are we selling? What's happening in Jacksonville? So as far as the QBs go, I I think now is a good time to buy Minshew while this news is fresh. People, oh, great, here's Foles. You know, I got to get rid of Minshew now. Um, not really thinking about their future, even though this is dynasty. I think now is a great time to go out and buy Minshew late second in Superflex. Uh, you might even be able to do like a, a, any second for Minshew and a third, something like that. Uh, people don't like to have inactive quarterbacks, and that's that's a really easy way to do it. Even though you do have that one guy in all of your leagues that hoards quarterbacks, um, that's inevitable. Um, and Foles, I, I think he's still you know nothing more than a, a low end QB two, high end QB three. But that doesn't really change much in the offense. Uh, that's more to do with Foles as you know what he has left in his career rather than what he has done or what he can do. Uh, obviously, we saw him lead uh, Philadelphia to the back half of, of their little Super Bowl run and, and do some good things there. We've seen his ups and his downs. Uh, I think he's his floor is lower than Minshew, but his ceiling might be a little bit higher because I do believe he is a better pocket passer than Minshew. I just think Minshew brings a little bit more, uh, a little bit more dynamic offense to Jacksonville. So, you know, I don't think anything really changes. I still think Fournette does what Fournette does, and and hopefully we continue to see those that target share maintained for Fournette because that was kind of the one thing he's been missing over the last couple of years, aside from actually playing in football games is the target share, the, the PPR portion of this lovely game that we play, which Leonard Fournette didn't really partake in. So I think if we can get Lenny back in there continuing to catch between four and six balls every week, uh, his his value doesn't change at all. He has that nice floor. And I don't think anything changes with DJ Chark. I think having Foles is actually a little bit of a boost for you know your D.D. Westbrook. If he's out, uh, whether it's Chris Conley or Keelan Cole picking up the slack, I think Foles brings a little bit, 
a little bit higher of a floor to the wide receiver's perspective, but not necessarily for the actual trying to win football games. Yeah, and I tend to think we're going to see Minshew again this year. And maybe it's only week 17, the Jags are out of it. Let's see what the young kid can do again. I'm not a Foles believer. Uh, I think there's a really good chance that next year in training camp, these two have a, a true equal battle to see who the number one quarterback's going to be, and Minshew has a 50% chance of winning that. I don't love either one of these quarterbacks, to be very honest with you. Um, the only thing I'd have a slight reservation about is as good as DJ Chark has looked, will Foles favor him the way Minshew has? Or you know, will, will he still be as productive? Will he get a target less or anything like that? I, I do think Westbrook gets a little bump, though, too. I agree with that, Matt, and I think there's got to be a little bit of a concern or, or at least just some uncertainty. We basically don't know what this offense is like right. with Nick Foles. Uh, we saw him for for what, a half or, or a little bit over a half, I think. I, I can't remember the exact week one injury uh, as far as the timing, but this has basically been Minshew's team from the beginning of the season. When we did see Foles playing with these guys, it was the preseason, and he was peppering, and I mean peppering, D.D. Westbrook with targets. The the one game, kind of the dress rehearsal game that they ended up having, I think he threw the ball nine or ten times, and uh, all but one of those were to D.D. Westbrook. So if you're a D.J. Chark owner, I think there's a little bit of a reason for some concern. If that opens a buy low window, I would I would definitely take that though because he's been for real. And whether it's another injury or, or just some overall disappointing play, I, I don't think Foles is long for that team. Yeah, and, and um, going back to the the preseason portion with getting Westbrook peppered and, and potential uh, buy low for Chark, there might even potentially be a sell high for Chark if people are really considering Foles as a big upgrade from Gardner Minshew after watching that London game and, and kind of seeing what's transpired, even though he started off the season and he's looked relatively solid throughout, I think for me personally, good enough to run that offense in 2020. And then going to what Matt said about us potentially seeing Minshew again this year, I think that's almost inevitable. I think that we, we watched the Colts and the Titans both beat up on the Jags the next two weeks. And they really consider going back to Minshew after, um, after seeing what Nick Foles actually, you know, is. All right, guys, let's talk next about Cam Newton. We, we haven't seen Cam Newton in a while either, and now we have learned that his season is over. He is going to the injured reserve. It'll be Kyle Allen's team for the rest of the season, and Allen has certainly performed very well, uh, so well, in fact, that there's already some speculation. We may never see Cam Newton in Carolina again. We know Cam had the injuries last year as well that ended his season early and, and probably should have ended it even earlier than it did. The way he, he was throwing the ball the last those last two or three games in 2018. Dan, what are we doing with Cam? He's He's been kind of a stalwart in, in Superflex leagues for a few years now. Is this the beginning of the end for him, or do we see a bounce back with this guy? I think we see a bounce back. I think he's he's relatively consistently been a buy. Uh, there wasn't a, a point that I was starting to get worried about him because they weren't shutting him down, and it was clear that he wasn't healthy. Uh, but now we've got a full season, or, or most of a season, of him being shut down and being able to get healthy, whether it's with Carolina or with a different team next year. Cross your fingers for Chicago. 
I think we can see Cam return, not necessarily to his his prime glory when he was running for all those yards and, and what led to something like 60 rushing touchdowns and over the span of his career, but I think we can get that nice, you know, solid rushing floor, maybe those 40 yards a game, um, a touchdown here and there, but nothing crazy. And I think he's good enough with his arm that put in the right situation or even a, a mediocre situation, I still think we've got ourselves a, probably a low-end QB1 on our hands just because of his rushing upside. Now that all hinges on him coming back and being healthy and being able to kind of do his own thing in an off, in an offense rather than being forced into a box like how it kind of seemed towards the end with Carolina. You need to be in the pocket. You need to do this. You need to do that rather than letting Cam do Cam and, and being able to kind of call his own number if need be. So he's still a buy for me. Um, I'd love to see him back in Carolina now that they actually have weapons, but I think it's probably it's probably time that they move on. Yeah, well said. And I do think his running production will probably never be the same. I do think the time away to heal will do him a lot of good. Um, I don't think he's done. There's enough landing spots in the league that Tampa could use him. Tennessee could use him. They mentioned the Bears. And if he returns to Carolina, that's a goldmine. I mean, with those three receivers, including McCaffrey, that, that sets up really well for him. I think now's a great time to try to pounce on him and grab him. I, I expect him to be... A, I don't know, basically an every week starter, or close to it, borderline every week starter, as soon as week one next year. The thing is, though, I don't think Allen's that good. I think Allen's going to be exposed sooner than later. Uh, Cam very well might be their starter next year. Yeah, I agree on the Allen portion for sure. It, it's, it almost feels like they're just using the, the play of Kyle Allen uh just just to move on from Cam. Um, and, and I don't think that they're ready to commit to Allen as their long-term starter. Uh, it feels like they just want to, uh, for whatever reason, want to get out of the Cam Newton business and maybe look at that 2020 draft to find their long-term Real starter. Real quick, would you be interested in Will Greer? I would uh, be. I mean, yeah. you, you got to see what, see what he has. And um, depending on how their, their next few weeks go, we – we may see what he has before the year's over. Um, they spent, what, I think he was a third-round yep, yep. pick, right? So they spent a they spent a day two, early day three pick on this guy, and um, it, if they're if they are ready to move on from Cam, they need to figure out what they uh, what they have in him. Let's talk next about a guy who is coming back from the injured reserve, uh, as Cam Newton is. Uh, ending his season, Darius Geis is set to return from the IR. Um, it it kind of feels like a different Redskins team, at least a different philosophy, because even as they have continued to lose games, they have built their entire offense around that running game, and Adrian Peterson has been carrying the ball 20 and 25 times a game and performing relatively well somehow, uh, despite them getting blown out almost every week, it feels like. So, Dan, Geis is coming back. I think Dynasty owners a month ago, six weeks ago, just threw their hands up with this guy and were totally done. Uh, are, are we, are we going to be back now? Are we buying Darius Geis? 
man, do we have to do this again? <laughs> I think we might have to do this again because, like you said, that offense looks a little bit different. Somehow, whatever that version of Adrian Peterson is still producing. And, I mean, if you force what we all kind of hoped what Darius Geis was going to be into that role, let's hope to God he's finally healthy uh, and they're not just continuing to push him out there to play to see what they've got in him when he's not ready to go. Man, it's hard to say he's not a buy because, I've, like you just said, basically everybody's given up on him and, and is kind of done with it. So uh, I think I think he can be had for relatively cheap. I don't really think anyone's considering him as a as a top, probably even 30 running back. And you can probably get him for, for I mean, a, a second at this point. Are people selling for that? If, if we've held on for this long, should we really sell for a second? I don't know. I feel like I feel like the sky's the limit, but the floor is below the actual floor. So it's a tough one. I think I'm buying if the price is there, but there's just so much so much potential. There is potential, but he's been so injury so injury or so injured. Peterson does look great. Um, I I think what you want if you're here's what I'm, my thoughts on it. If if if, if you own guys, you hope that he eats into Peterson's workload, starts to take it over and then becomes the man by the end of the year and looks good. And then I am getting out as quick as I possibly can. Like the first good week he shows or the second good week in a row, I'm, I'm moving him for a receiver or a pick or whatever. And my logic is, I just think this organization is as dysfunctional as any in the league. You know, Trent Williams isn't going to be back. Brandon Treff's a free agent. I don't trust the organization to hire the right coach. I think Haskins going to be swimming upstream until he goes with his next team or whatever. I just am never putting a chip on the Redskins to do the right thing. I think that's a really good point, uh, Matt. And we get caught up in some of these players and their upside and their potential and what we remember from college. And certainly all of that has has been in Darius Geis' favor. What hasn't been is his health. And the, the Washington Redskins medical team is not one we <laughs> right, want to right. trust either. So if this is a guy who uh, is going to have injury issues, that's uh, that's not the team or the organization to help him. So... Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, the time to the time to buy really was a few weeks ago. If, if you're trying to buy now that he's going to be back on the field, the price has, has certainly gone up, uh, no matter how he performs. Uh, but if, if he does have that big game and, and people are really starting to buy in, Dan, as as you suggest, then I would be selling. Are, are you paying a first rounder, a late first rounder for Darius guys? I don't think I can at this point, just just yeah. because yeah. of of what could be. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to tell everyone about Harry's. And we often talk about him on this podcast, but it, I'm not blowing smoke when I tell you I am totally hooked on the product. I shave every day. I have very sensitive skin, and I had to go to an electric for a while until I found Harry's. And the beauty of them is their blades. Their blades are quality, durable blades at a very, very fair price. It's only, only two bucks a blade. And how they're able to do that is they've cut out the middlemen. They, they have a, a, a German factory that's been producing precision blades for a century now, and they're wonderful. It, it means you get an incredibly high-quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is very, very convenient. They blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription, and there's no risk for you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, 
let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Trust me, you'll love your shave. So here's what you do, guys. Go to our show. You can redeem the, uh, a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. And here's what you get. You get a weighted, wonderful handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. My wife loves the smell of it. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So, go to harrys.com slash dynasty to start shaving better today. harrys.com slash dynasty. All right, guys, we are going to end the show with something a little bit different. Over the past few weeks, we've talked uh, quarterback rankings. We've talked tight end rankings. We're going to talk running backs today, but instead of just ranking our top 12, we're going to do what we like to do so often on here. We are going to have a draft. Uh, So this is going to be a running back only draft, fellas. And just another little wrinkle, we're going to draft from the perspective of uh, holding a 2020 startup draft. So we're, we're fast forwarding through the rest of the season, ignoring whatever uh, production might come in the next couple of months. It's the off season. We're getting ready for the 2020 regular season and we're drafting running backs only. And Matt, you get the first pick. I do. And I'm a little worried that he's just going to get his brains beat in on a bad team while they groom a quarterback. And I understand that Christian McCaffrey is absolutely lighting the world on fire and is a great player and is the biggest fantasy asset in the world right now in redraft. And I, I understand all those things. But Barkley was the best running back prospect I ever saw coming out of school. And I you know, did this professionally for a long time. I'm just going to stick with the talent and give me Saquon first overall. All right. So you take Saquon Barkley. I think that's fair in our brand new November ADP. Saquon Barkley is still at the top as he has been for so long, but he is uh, tied with Christian McCaffrey, who you also mentioned there, who is having uh, really a record-breaking season. I think I saw the other day McCaffrey is on pace to – uh, score more fantasy points than any player ever has since we've been keeping up with that. Dan, you have the second pick. Are you taking Christian McCaffrey? That's right. I am going to take Christian McCaffrey. You're saving me from having to make a hot take live on air uh, with that second pick because I actually thought Matt was going to take CMC. So uh, I get to save my fifth pick and get the guy I was going to take at number two anyways. All right. Well, you, yeah, you, uh, we are going to snake this all the way through. So, uh, Matt, with that first pick of Saquon Barkley, Dan is gifted Christian McCaffrey at the two spot. Really, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. I'll take the third and fourth pick. And I, I guess I'm going to go chalk at this point. We, uh, we're fast forwarding to 2020, but I don't see enough of a uh, change in value or really overall ranking to, to go away from these guys. So I'll take Alvin Kamara at three and Ezekiel Elliott at four. And that puts Dan back on the clock at five. Well, um, quite fortunate to get my top two running backs in my dynasty ranking. So at five, I will happily take Dalvin Cook. Yeah, no qualms there. This is, yeah, this works out great for me because I'm torn between two here. I get two picks. I think Chubb and Jacobs kind of stand alone. 
I think Jacobs is going to get more and more involved in the passing game. I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt um, influencing Chubb. I got to think the Browns are going to draft Lyman. And I expect Gruden just to run Jacobs into the ground. And this may even look like a bargain, Jacobs, at the seventh overall right, you know, running back a year from now. All right, let's recap a little bit here. We're seven picks into our 12 total picks. It went Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, that same big four that we've seen for the past, uh, past several months, or really the past year now, stays at the top for the two guys who are, who are knocking on the door, trying to get into that top tier, and, and maybe they already have. I think Dalvin Cook may, may have. Dan takes Dalvin Cook five overall, would have taken him as high as two or three, it sounds like. And then Mac grabs both Nick Chubb at the sixth pick, Josh Jacobs at the seventh pick, and Dan, it is back on you for the number eight pick. Well, that's tough because those those top seven are my top seven. Uh, I was hoping to get Jacobs at eight. That doesn't happen. So like Matt did with the first overall pick and, and sticking with the talent, I'm going to do that here at eight, and I'm going to take Joe Mixon. Um, I do believe he's got all of the makings of what we want in an elite bell cow in one of the worst situations possible. And that's tough to say, but once you get past those top seven, I think it gets a little bit muddy. Um, you could consider somebody like Leonard Fournette, but he, because he's, he just, I don't know. There's something about him that just screams. He's only going to play 12 games to me each and every year. So I'm going to go with somebody that I've liked uh, as a fantasy asset for a while or as an NFL player for a while. And that's Joe Mixon. Yeah, that, that feels like a, a little bit of a surprise pick to me, Dan. We we've talked about Mixon the past couple weeks on, uh, on this show and, and certainly his value is trending down. Honestly, if you if you're still valuing him as a top eight, a top ten dynasty running back, then it really feels like you would still suggest everybody going out and trying to buy him. I think that's a good move right now, to be completely honest. But we're also thinking forward. We're we're thinking of of you know those 2020 startups. So uh, I think we could potentially have him in a better situation, whether it's in a different team or a team that does more around him in Cincinnati. Yeah, a different team would be a great thing. I think I don't I don't know how likely that is, and also don't know how likely it is that the Bengals are going to be much improved, uh, really, until they get new ownership, which may never happen. Yeah, there's some of that Redskin thing that I mentioned with with Cincinnati for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Redskins, the the Bengals. Um, I'm a Knicks fan, and that's it's the same thing in the NBA. They're they're just never going to be competitive nothing is going to change until the ownership changes and that's that's pretty disheartening as a fan all right guys i have the nine and the ten pick i'll uh get my last two picks in here uh and this is tough uh, i've got a few guys that i have some doubts about a few guys that i like but maybe could be considered a reach um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. I kind of hate to do it, but he, he's just getting so much volume. And, um, again, thinking forward to 2020, I don't see that changing. I, I think that's, that's the team they want to be. They want to be that run heavy team. Uh, he's able to handle that volume. Not a guy who, uh, you know, knock on wood has, has a lot of problems with injuries. At least he hasn't this year. So, I think ninth overall running back feels about right for Leonard Fournette. 
And with my other pick, I'm going to go maybe off the board a little bit. I know this will surprise Dan. Uh, I'm going to go back to my guy, Miles Sanders. Wow. Uh, feel like he's he's continuing to see a, a larger role in that offense. Uh, same thing I've said really all season and all offseason. Not worried about Jordan Howard long term. Uh, I think we'll continue to see Sanders grow his role and his production. Uh, Dan, did I snipe you with that Sanders pick? <laughs> Not quite. I actually, before we started, would have been willing to bet a large sum of money that you would have taken Miles Sanders at that 110 spot. <laughs> you would have won. You would have won. Dan, you are up with the 1.11. This is the RB11 for our, our uh, what, our fast-forward draft, our back-to-the-future draft, 2020 draft, whatever you want to call it. Who's the RB11 in this exercise? It's a weird spot because now we really are in that that kind of group of guys that I think everyone's worried about. Talking about David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, James Connors even in that conversation. Um, and you might have somebody maybe like an, an Aaron Jones or if uh, you, know, you have a Derrick Henry truther. I think there's a ton of guys that legitimately fall in these last couple of RB1 spots. And I, I think for... For me, from what I've seen this year, if I have to look towards next, I think David Johnson's the guy I would be taking here. Uh, I think he makes a lot of sense in that Kingsbury offense. I think we've seen Kyler Murray take some nice strides. And, and I think they're headed to a place that that is going to lead to a lot of fantasy points. So uh, I think I'm comfortable taking DJ here. Gurley would have been my other pick. Hmm. Good pick. I can't argue with DJ at all. I'm a big believer. I think he'll catch a million balls. But I will end up the, taking Aaron Jones. Uh, I, I think it's a good situation. I don't think they'll draft another back high. I really like how he's developing as a receiver. Yeah, Aaron Jones currently a top five running back in the uh, in the NFL in, in fantasy scoring so far this season. And uh, it, it's kind of a weird year for him. Obviously, we can call it a breakout year. Uh, he's had the touchdown production. He's uh, gotten involved in the receiving game as of late, but there's also still some reason to doubt with, with so many options there in green Bay. Will he continue to play that role once everybody is healthy? Uh, we'll, we'll find that out in the coming weeks. So we got through our 12 running backs. Let's look at that group again, really quickly. Matt started us off with Saquon Barkley. Dan took Christian McCaffrey, the easy top two picks. I grabbed Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, before Dalvin cook and Nick Chubb. Uh, rounded out our top six, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, Miles Sanders, David Johnson, and Aaron Jones were the seven through 12 picks. That leaves these guys potentially out of that RB1 ranking when you're looking forward to 2020 drafts. Some of the names you already mentioned, uh, Dan, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. We talked about uh, we talked about on Johnson earlier in the show. David Montgomery is, is another name, another rookie who uh, starting to see some run. And, and Devin Singletary, same thing. I don't know if you guys considered him at all late in that exercise, but uh, he's certainly been seeing more action as of late. And, and then some of the guys who continue to produce, but we don't really see that big value gain. Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, Derrick Henry. Those are just kind of viewed as we could almost say boring dynasty assets and that that hurts their value whether it should or not you talked about david johnson uh falling in that exercise melvin gordon fell all the way out any other names that were kind of on the on the front of your all's mind that we didn't uh, draft 
Now, one of the names you brought up, though, I, I think I think when you're doing exercises like this, it, it's fun to think about guys that are are a little bit more off the beaten path that could potentially rise to that that maybe low end RB one where it gets a little more murky. And I think David Montgomery is one of those guys. I think um, Devin Singletary, if he's given that workload in that offense with the you know the kind of modified running quarterback that they have in Josh Allen, I think he could potentially sneak into one of those top. If he, say 15 spots just because we did see him produce at such a high level in college yes it was conference usa but i think devin singletary and david montgomery are two of the younger guys that could really make that big leap starting 2020 montgomery and carry on were my two just miss out of my top 12 that didn't get drafted so i i still think they both have a lot of value they're both very young they're not super dynamic but i don't i don't know that they're going to address those positions in the offseason there either I guess what stood out for me going through this with you guys is we're talking about 2020 and a flash forward draft, but in reality, we're not going to see most of these players value change too much over, over the next nine months or over the next year. Even what we have now with a few exceptions is basically what we're going to have then. And sometimes I think dynasty players get a little too carried away with trying to project what those rankings or what that value might be like in a year and, and take things too far. Maybe, maybe I did that with Miles Sanders even. Uh, and then the other, really the kind of fun and exciting part of this is we did not include our 2020 rookies and we've got guys like Deandre Swift and Travis ATN and Jonathan Taylor guys. We'll be talking about much more in the coming weeks some of those guys could really crash this party and shake up the the top 12 uh, dynasty running backs. Last sure. question for you guys. If you had your choice of any draftable running back, and I assume, I'm guessing Swift is your favorite, would, where would they have been on this list? I think whoever your running back one is, and it's it's probably one of those three names I mentioned, you have to start considering him around six or you'd seven. You'd rather have Jacobs, say. you'd rather have, but then like in the four net range, you're thinking about the rookies. I, I think, of course, it's it, a lot depends mm-hmm. on landing spot, obviously, with, with the running back position. Uh, but I think after those top five, then you could start, if it's best mm-hmm. case scenario, you could start looking at Swift versus Chubb versus Jacobs. And then uh, I would almost, in fact, I would definitely take Swift, Taylor, or ATN over any of the guys eight through twelve. Gotcha. That's where I am right now. Yep, I've I've got two of those guys in that in that range. I think Swift, um, Swift and Taylor both for me would be uh, right in after Jacobs. Those top seven I think are relatively locked in. I think that's your elite group, your high end group, and then you get this new class, and I think that's where they start is right there at eight. Yeah, if you think about it that way, uh, you could trade Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs or Leonard Fournette for the 1.01 in 2020. I think that becomes a no-brainer when you consider it that way. Hmm. I like it. All right, guys, great stuff today. Dan, thank you again for joining us. We will be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>